Today, we are talking about what is going on with fewer and fewer people entering the accounting profession. Like, what is the deal with that? And probably the big question is, what are we going to do about it? Like, any way to reverse this trend, any way to fix this? Because, man, as firm owners, we need people. We need people. So, We'll be discussing that today on Drink Why You Think, the happy hour conversation between a couple of guys building their firms in really, really weird ways. I'm your co-host, Kenji, along with my trusty partner, Matthew. Matthew, who is our sponsor for today's episode? Today's episode of Drink While You Think is sponsored by Verify IQ. Verify IQ just launched Sales IQ, a tool to Enable your sales team to properly quote all of your engagements. Right now, Sales IQ is in beta, but if you're a Verify IQ customer, you get a sneak peek at Sales IQ. Verify IQ for all your practice management needs. Oh, Verify IQ. Love it. Those guys are great over there. I like them. I like me too. You're okay. Um, What are you drinking, dude? Yeah, what are you drinking? I'll go first, say what I'm drinking. This, this is Big Trout Brewing. Um, I'm drinking their North Fork Nut Brown Five Percenter. It's got the date. You know when it's got a label on there, and like they've had to handwrite on it. Like that is legit right there. This is, uh, man, this is canned less than a month ago. Fresh beer. We got to like this. This is out of Winter Park, Colorado. Brought to us from one of our favorite people in the world, Lisa Gilreath. Our COO at Acuity, the person who keeps everything running at Acuity. And uh, she just got back from spending a whole month living out there in the Rocky Mountains. You got to love remote. You got to love remote work, working and living where you want to work, right? Thank you, Lisa. Lisa, I can't wait to have some of this. I'll pour it here while I'm pouring. Matthew, tell us what you got. I've got, uh, courtesy of our friend, uh, Randy from Trimerit, Randy Crabtree, the uh, Fat Pugs Oatmeal Stout. Uh, so, and out of honor, um, Randy, I don't do this for Kenji. So this is this is um, a, a nice little pour to see uh, the beautiful differences between the kind of beer that you like and I like, Kenji. So well, Randy and I had this last time we were on without you, so we can kind of compare. Oh, you yours is dark. It is dark. Yeah, it's nut brown. Okay. Well, that's Cheers, a, dude. That's, oh, it's good. Cheers. Pretty sure my rating is going to be higher than the rating you gave this one, Brian, but that's all right. It's possible. It's possible. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. All right. Nice tall one you poured there, Matthew. Thank you. Okay. We're going to need it, man. We got a big crisis problem to try to solve here. Or or everybody says on the interwebs. Yeah. I mean, how is this like, this is crazy. So it, it really it really is problematic. I mean, the Wall Street Journal had an article about it recently. Um, it's being covered not just in our industry, but you know, when it's you know, when it makes the, the Wall Street Journal either something really good happened or something really bad happened when they're in the Wall Street Journal. This is a bad one. This is a problematic issue we've got here with fewer and fewer students and people entering the profession. There's a slower rate of new people in the profession, then there's a higher rate of people leaving the profession. And so yeah, let's. 
I don't know. What what are your assessments on why you think this this has changed over our because you and I have not been in the profession for how long? Uh decade. No, I'm I'm a decade. I'm 10 years this year, and you're how long? 20 years? In the profession. Oh, how long have I been in the profession? Yeah. We've both been around years? 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you you're longer. <laughs> Barely. You're, you're so much older than me. Um, but I mean, um, so I saw that like I actually realized this was going to be a problem in 08 and 09 um, from a pipeline perspective. We were at, or I was at Ernst in 08 and uh, the downturn hit and just, I can't remember our region reduced hiring by a hundred people in 08 at the last downturn. Yeah. And it stayed down. And then it like at the, you know, when I went over to uh, a, a smaller firm, but still big, still mid-tier, even in Atlanta, we had dropped our hiring by 10 people. So you're like, if you just say in each market, that was just two of the firms. Well, I mean, EY is big, right? So say in every major market, like every major region, the five regions, you, you took 500 people out of each big five you know, which is the pipeline for it, those people would be 15-year people right now, right? Which is where we're having a huge gap. Yeah. So I think part of the, like, crazy part of the problem is, like, started, like, it's the pipeline takes so long for the kind of people people want to hire. Right. Like, people don't want to, like, outside of big four, don't want to take people and then bring them all the way up a lot of times. I think a lot mm -hmm. of us, get to hire people out of just five years in, 10 years in, something like that kind of cherry pick after other people have trained them. Right, right. So if we're going to change something, we have to change that mentality a bit and, and think about, you know, how, like, are we going to be the entry place for people into those markets? And if we're not the entry place, then we're going to have to think about alternative career path switchers, you know, and how to bring them up through through the through the thing. But that was the first, my first, Interesting. I knew in 08 and 09 and 10, when we didn't up our hiring, we were kicking the can on a problem on a short-term lip in the economy. Yeah. Yeah. It I've was got weird, a, dude. I've got a little bit of a theory too. Uh, and that's that I think if you go back a few decades and generations and think about the types of people that went into accounting, like accounting is a fairly, it's pretty analytical. It's, um, I think people have, I do think people have natural inclinations toward types of professions and types of work or studies you're interested in. And if you're kind of math oriented, you know, or analytical oriented, I think accounting was one of the, you know, I think you could probably put accounting, you know, math, like economics, some extent, um, engineering are kind of in those similar kind of buckets, if you will. Right. Um, and I wonder about in the last couple decades, if things like, you know, computer science right now, that's, there's, that's a great place for people, very process oriented, analytical people. Um, I think there's more coming out. Now people, people have data science degrees. There's just a, it seems like there's a larger wealth of the number of types of professions you could go into if you were kind of analytically oriented. That was kind of your thing. Man, I like numbers. I like that. And it feels like there's more opportunity. So there's more choice. And and accountants, so there's more choice, but I don't know that, 
accounting, because it's been around for so long, it's one of the older professions, it just doesn't seem very fresh and modern, maybe exciting, right? It's kind of like, oh, it doesn't, it hasn't modernized as well. It doesn't sound as cool or interesting as where someone may go, well, I want to, you know, analytical finance, or I want um, computer science or a data science or something now. I wonder if students just have more choice and there's just fewer people going in. So I think there's a little bit of, um, there's more options out there. And I think reputationally, accounting, I mean, I don't know if accounting was ever cool. Just let's, let's be fair about that, right? Right. But I don't know that it certainly doesn't seem cool now. So I'm curious about that. That's a little bit of a thesis I have that students have more selection than choice. But yeah, I think um, there's a couple of core problems to address, right? The, the, there's a, in accounting, especially in professional, in the like uh, CPA firms in particular, there is this long path mentality in a short, in now in a, in a economy where two years is the average, you know, kind of job tenure. And it's a, oh, you know, you take the lesser pay now because the long run, you know, the, 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 the financial is there and that, that kind of flops right now. So there's that's a core that, problem. That was right? a, that that I think you just described the best description of when you think about the value traditionally in accounting firms is exactly that. It was a wait and grind, and it's all back ended, right? Historically, it's really heavily back ended where the the value or the comp comes in, like the reward side comes in, right? right? Really back ended. Yeah. So I got a solution. That I haven't heard people talk about. Well, so. and I'll just say real quick before you get solution. Also, with that, if you've got this very okay, I I can be financially rewarded, but it's way on the back end when I make partner. And in fact, I'm going to have to be kind of a more of a, 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 um, a senior partner. I'm going to have to be kind of retiring to kind of really get yeah. value. Versus you're watching people, and this happened to me when I was in public. You're watching people go out and work for startups and get equity, and that stuff kicks immediately. You're going, oh my gosh, like that. You're getting that value creation so much earlier. But anyway, go with, go with, yeah, let's get the solutions. Cause I want people like, to think about things to. So here's, here's, here's a solution I think people can think about. So if you like, let's say, let's just acknowledge, let's just assume right now we can't change the pipeline problem, right? The, the people coming into the profession. So, then we have to say the only way to fix that problem or one of the problems we have to address is how do you retain people in the profession longer? Right? Okay. Like if you don't have people leaving, right? You don't have to replace as many, right? So let's leaky just talk bucket about- Leaky issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. The leaky bucket issue we call it like for the people. Usually we talk about from a client retention perspective, but you have an employee retention perspective. The biggest problem with most CPA firms models, I think- is that they're up and out, right? They're up and out. Like, why? Like, like, why are we doing that, right? Why can't you? Why, you can't Peter principal people. You can't promote them past their thing. Like, why can't we create these? What is it called in radical candor? The rock stars and the superstars. Yeah, superstars. So why can't we acknowledge that there's two different kinds of folks? And sometimes there'll be folks that'll be great at a level and then just keep them there yeah. and then not be a stigma, right? Like this type A 
silliness that we all have to go all the way through all the way to partner like some people don't want yeah and you're not giving them a choice to park it manager or senior manager i mean there's the principal director thing sometimes but that's more of a like a I don't know. That doesn't seem to be a great like. Th- there's a stigma to that 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 people have done a crappy job like showing that as an actual career path that's meaningful to people, right? That I, but, I could not agree with you more. Like I was, that's the only expectation I was ever taught in public was it's up or out. In fact, I, I was probably shouldn't wouldn't surprise you. I was a better like staff person. And like lower level than I was as I progressed in public accounting. It got more technical and more cutthroat and more aggressive. And I'm just not really that. Like I'm team oriented and sure, tell me what you want to do. I mean, I was a, everybody loved me as a staff person. Like I think as I moved my way up, they're like, eh, he's so so. His technical abilities fair. And I don't know that I would have wanted to stay there, but naturally I was probably better suited in public accounting to not be that up top. So we were never taught that. I mean, if you think about that in terms of acuity, how many, right? So we've got our, what's called our three levels under accounting services, CFO, controller, bookkeeping. Of the hundreds of people we've had, how many do you think have probably moved between those levels? Four. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. I think. Um, I'd, I'd take I can, that as an over-under. I, I don't know which way I'd go on that. Oh, no, I can name them. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, know, I know. That's what I'm saying. I, I think I don't think I'd take that bet. Um, so, I think you're that's in, the, that just the, Yeah, that's the 10 years I've been here. And we've had, you know, 300 people in that team in, in that time, probably 250. And, and we're not get? trying to intentionally keep people where they're at. I think. People are coming in and say, hey, I'm comfortable in this. Now, people have grown into different roles, but not the traditional stepping stone that you think of accountants got to be up, up, up. I, I either have to be a partner or I have to be a CFO, right? Right. Right? That's right, interesting. Right. For sure. So I think I think people really need to think on that within their organization. If they have an up or out culture, like, like read Radical Candor, because it's really helpful in thinking about these two types of people. Um, it, just for that section. And there's a thing that says like, like you have to honor people who are excellent at each level. And then people that are kind of rising through the levels. Like I, like I, I, I forget which one is which, but I mean, the, I quick, too. the quick summary of it, because they, they should probably have names that are a little bit more differentiated and kind of candidly, but you've got one team member who is the kind of more traditional mode of like, they're just aggressive and hungry, want to grow, grow, grow. They're going to grow. They want to be absolutely playing that game of moving up, up the ladder. Okay. What's the next role? What's, what's the, what's the position beyond me? Whereas the other one you mentioned is more of a, I am really good at my current role. Like I'm, those are your subject matter experts. Like, oh, I'm so happy being an SME on this particular thing. I'm okay. Um, I don't necessarily want to manage people, but I'm okay training some folks up or using my expertise to help others or, or clients. But they're not like, don't give me more responsibilities. Like, don't make me move up. Whereas there's others who are like, it's always going to be up around. So I think you're right. That's a great way to think about within your firm of who those people are. Because that is that was not present in public by any means. By any yeah. And, and like the, the other... 
I don't know that this helps the AI CPA at all. Like my second solution is like if kids coming out of college in the US don't want to fill those entry level roles, which lead to those other roles, then we've got to open ourselves up globally and go build training systems for people that are part of the global world that have those abilities to be able. And then we've got to create the same mentorship programs for them that we would have for the U S folks um, to build them up. Cause there's you, enough people. You know in what's the world. cool about, yeah, I agree. You know, what's cool about that. I had a conversation this week with someone from the ASEPA who uh, was talking about some, some plans to open up the CPA in other countries, right? To allow people who are actually working here in the US to obtain a CPA. Now, we'll maybe talk in a minute about the CPA exam itself and the CPA designation, whether that helps. I think we all have a hot take on that. But at least the AI CPA is saying, you know what? We do see other people globally coming to serve the US market. How do we think about some of our standards, some of our credentials applying beyond just students here who attend universities in the United States. I, th- I thought that's at least, I was happy to hear that. Um, yeah, I think I think the big, when people hear that, like I want them to make sure they understand, like once you start working with your staff in other countries, you'll quickly realize that they still need the same career development and technical training support that you had previously done in the US. Um, so um, I think a lot of people think of outsourcing like it goes, you just throw the crap over the wall and then it just gets done. Yeah. Like you still have all the work to do as the firm owner to do the mentoring, to demonstrate the career paths and trajectory because maybe they have fewer career paths, but not by a lot in their yeah. respective market. Like You've got to be competitive. They're there, especially if you're going to go with kids like out of college, like that that are that are wanting to follow that trajectory. I mean, we're kind of weird, right? Because we had we had this legacy team that like was really comfortable coming into the role, whether as a bookkeeper, controller, and CFO, and they decided that was their career. And then once we went international, we were hiring younger folks out of college out of the universities in Philippines and St. Lucia, and they have this desire. They're not necessarily in the same place in their journey. Like they're, they haven't decided that's where they want to be. Yeah. So we've had to do the opposite where we're having to create the career paths now through the teams for those teams, for the, for the international folks, um, just based on how we hire and who we targeted through each of those things, through each of those kind of venues was different, which is kind of, I don't know that that's intuitive to people if they're not working with folks internationally very much right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, let's get the easy one out of the way. CPA exam, the rules around becoming a CPA. Uh, What needs, what the quick win? I mean, the 150 hours, the hot topic right now, obviously what I don't, I don't understand the, the fuss around. I mean, I get it. Well, that's not fair. I'm the I'm the I am the only one that keeps our CPA up between the two of us. So that's right. I understand the pain behind that, but um, you know, if you're in a non-traditional accounting firm, like it's hard. Like I guess if you're in a CPA firm, you need to 
worry about the CPA exam. Like, I guess my question is, is like, unless you're in audit now, like, unless you're an audit partner, why do you need a CPA designation? It's a big, like, like you can't tackle the 150 hour rule, like as a barrier without saying, why is the CPA important anymore? I was just talking to our good friends, Twyla and Michael Lee about this, because this is the stuff that us nerdy accountants do is talk about things like this. And I, I was like, I would love to see in the future that become an audit designation, right? That's a spe- and and have a broader, you know, the AICPA break that thing out and have, um, make the credentials, certainly make the requirements high, make them, but I mean, that that is really specific to audits become that way, right? It needs to adapt a bit. And I think that, the, the the 150 I mean for for some of the there's some tax I mean some for tax some, too I mean but yeah, a, there's tax and audit have very specific very specific purposes for that but like man people misuse the term so often like they I don't really know how you do. fix the branding behind that like if like I get CPA is like a trusted source but like then the market's Silly, like all accountants are CPAs to them. It, it, the, the, in certain sense, it's a it's um, feels like it's a problem with the own success they've had around the CPA brand. The CPA brand itself is so strong; it's like having an MD, right? Or, yeah. um, it, it is that significant that I understand that's difficult to say. Well, are we going to dilute that really powerful brand when someone says you're a CPA? It's going to be difficult, but we have to make it more relevant. And there are just things that have gotten in the way. 150 hour rules is an easy one. I think what Minnesota is doing right now is brilliant. I know there's a lot of people fighting against that. What's um, Minnesota doing? I heard this. Minnesota is right now, as we speak, has gone to the state, which you know again really dictates how each of the licensees work uh, and for the CPA. They've gone and they said, "Hey, those last 30 hours, we're going from four year to five year requirement. Those can be done through CPE." Right. I think that's a oh. that's a really smart way to do it because then you're talking about something relevant and current versus right now those other 30 hours to get to the fifth year can be, you know, they can be anything. It could be basket weaving, dance, whatever it might be. It's not really, it doesn't have to be relevant. And I think that's a huge obstacle to people wanting to go that fifth year. I, I was in a position, I was very fortunate where came from a family that had some means where would they have paid for my fifth year? I don't know. My parents, maybe, maybe not. I didn't have to. I didn't have to go for my fifth year, but it was coming right behind me. I wouldn't have chosen. If I knew I had to go five years for an accounting year, I would have done something different. So I would have not been the profession. But that's not the bigger issue. The bigger issue to me is, dude, you and I are paying college tuition bills. It's so damn expensive right now. You and I know this. I can't, yeah. Can you imagine those, how many people, that is a, Huge issue going from four to five years and paying for that from a college standpoint. And you've talked yeah. about before on this podcast how much more you get from a master's. It's nothing. Either back in the day you did. It's not, there's no way in terms of time and dollar amount you you get any benefit or any return on that for staying an extra year versus the value of being in the workplace place practicing an account. So that's a that's a ridiculous one. It seems to me. Again, I like what Minnesota is doing. It'd be cool if more states get behind that and go, "Cool, we, we're okay with our having high a high bar." But like, let's do it as something different 
you know, versus just putting more money into these universities on classes that aren't even accounting classes. So that that's an obstacle, I think, that most people, most professionals, I think, are change that. Yeah, I think one of the disappointing byproducts of this is that they like master's degrees to me are so much more valuable with five to 10 years of work experience. And all the 150 hour did is they moved a master's degree and diluted the master's degree by tacking a year on at the end. So, yeah, I'm like you. I was I was actually the last class. Like if I stayed for my fifth year. I would have had to have the 150 hour requirements, but because I didn't i could sit and get grandfathered in right so i got grandfathered in i can tell you what year it was Yeah. (laughs) if you sat for the november 93 exam you got grandfathered you know you know something i think for firms to think about and we're really early on in this i don't know 97 that was 97 november 97 i don't know we've done this very well but like we've one thing that we do we track all of our certifications. And so now getting your CPA, I get it, is not the same type of certification as getting your QuickBooks certification, right? But we do track those. Like we keep a we keep a tally and acuity of all of our certifications. We do think they're important. Um, there's probably different weights to their effort and importance, but I think that we're speaking to the fact that like we we compensate people to get those. Um, we measure them because we think they're important. There are ways to gain knowledge, you know, in the profession that aren't the traditional paths, right? And I think that someone coming into it, I think giving your team and staff like accolades and rewards and encouraging and supporting continued learning is really really important, right? That that's a it's really yeah. important. It just doesn't have to be one flavor of the CPA. And I think that would, if more people realize and they could come into accounting and go, this is a, actually a profession that beyond most has kind of a lifelong learning tracks. Like if you were to go to AICPA Engage or any other conference, there's all kinds of tracks and paths you can take, right? And so you can kind of a little bit choose your own adventure. I don't know that you see that necessarily when you're a student or when you're in there. I mean, that's one of the things that is a little bit weird about AICPA Engage, but it actually is cool. I think when I think about it is the breadth of all the things that are being discussed, whether it's wealth management, taxation, small biz, firm management, all kinds of things that are, are being addressed there, assurance, whatever it might be. There's a really broad stretch. And I don't think you and I see it. Every other firm owner we know sees this. The demand for accounting services is so high. It's crazy high. I mean, yeah. it's, it's only going to get more so. So this, it's a there's a great place for people to come and work in it, but there's some feels like there's some marketing and branding that needs to be changed. A few hurdles that need to be kind of reassessed a bit. Um, Who does the EA certification? That's not AICPA, right? The IRS. That's an IRS. And then CMA is something totally different. Well, and and here's the problem with that. You think about the EA certification. First of all, it's called EA, an enrolled agent, which is a horrible. It's just a horrible name. It sounds like the IRS came up with it. Exactly. Who would come up with something brilliant like that? Of course, the IRS, right? EA is a great designation. It's got terrible branding, terrible marketing around it. Like who? So there's at least- And and, and CMA is the same way. CMA is kind of like 
very old school marketing. Uh, we not were mar- trying mar- to man- manufacturing, encouraging people to do get their CMA. I barely even hear about it anymore. Like it's just well, funny. because well, how many widget manufacturers are there out there? I mean, that's who you think of when you think of CMA. CMA hasn't turned to the service economy, right? Exactly. Like, what's the, what's going to be the CAS designation? We should make one up. Like, we should be like create some not for profit for um, for CAS and go out and make a CAS designation and come up with a cool uh, designation and save the industry that way. Well, that's just, exactly. That's, right? well, that's just, Do you just, go out and get that and say, just just kind of like you've seen like Google and others have said, you know what? We'll go and create some of our own certifications, right? You can come to the Google University online for free and yeah. take classes and learn coding and developments and things like that. And do you go out there to some of the bigger players in our in our space that would be the Intuits, the Zeros, the Bill.coms and say, hey, let's go find some ways to short. If, if we don't think that the university system is going to serve this, then, then maybe there's some ways to say, hey, let's take students who are doing it differently or non-traditional students who've maybe come from another place and say, how do we give you some certifications and learning? Like all, you and I see, because we're in the tech space, lots of these coding academies spin up, right? To where yeah. Could you do something like that and say, hey, we're going to spend two months and we're going to give you accelerated, help you learn how to do some accounting CAS skills so you could come in there and r- help run the accounting function for, for businesses. That'd be awesome. I mean, that'd be a... Yeah. When I think about our bookkeeping and accounting practice, I think the QBO certification has already replaced the CPA mm. for, for the for 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 what what we look for. So, so yeah, would you, would you say if I saw a candidate come through or maybe I'll put this to you, if you saw a candidate come through, one had CPA and another came in and said, no CPA, maybe even no accounting degree, but had QBO certified, zero certified, bill.com, Expensify certified, all these certifications in our space. Yeah, they're going in our bookkeeping practice for sure. I think I'm like, that's our, that's kind of our, that's a CAS team member right there. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we've got 37 CPAs, but most of them are our controller team. So right. in that practice, it might be different, right? Um, when we start getting into some of the other stuff. So we, we currently a, hold over 300 certifications right now as a firm, right? But like, it's like, when I look at QBO versus CPA, like we have 70 plus QBO certifications and 35, 37 CPAs. We're somewhere in that range usually. Yeah. So we have double the number of QBA certs than we do CPAs. Right. In our right. So that's crazy. It is. And that shows, I mean, those are the current tools of our profession of being a CAS practice yeah. and someone who's taken... That's our expectations. When you come with us and you're in that practice, you're going to get recertified. You need to know those tools and people coming in who already highlight those. So I think there are some other paths. It would be great to see a little more partnership there. They don't have the same credibility. I mean, uh, and maybe that's an opportunity for some of the bigger accounting tech companies to get down into the high schools, university level. And get a better penetration there, and realize that like yes, it's a it's a tool we use, but also people who learn how to use these tools well can be excellent in this trade in this profession. So, I mean, but do we care 
if our profession stays U.S. based, like I don't, know. I don't. Like we, so you got to open your mind to that too. And like, how do you, how do you broaden? Like, how do you think of it from a global perspective? Like, like it or not, like we're all remote. Like, like we got to think globally, like more frequently. Like we just got to think about it better. Like ASCPA better get on the ball with that too. I think because I get it's the American Institute of Certified Public Accounts, but like at some level, like we're still the leaders in the U.S. And like if we want to continue to be the standard, like we need to figure out how to enable like the world in these educations. It's not like our governance is still pretty good. Like is this pretty much the standard, right? So like it is. Yeah. Why wouldn't we roll that out? You know. Um, well, it's, it's, the, it's the standard, you know, our markets tend to be the markets the rest of the world moves around. Um, yeah. Our currency, we our, our rate of entrepreneurship and business creation far surpasses any other country. So we're going to yeah. naturally have more and more businesses here in the U.S. that need accountants to help, to help manage the data within their business. And so if if we don't have enough of the supply here in the US if people want to do it then absolutely helping empower anybody who wants to serve US business which i i, I think that's got got to be part of who we are we of a open market very dynamic markets here in the US along with high high business creation like that's who the US is so we're going to need yeah. people who want to serve in that and so opening up that certification and education globally just totally helps fill that supply demand imbalance that we're experiencing today yeah and i'm like people shouldn't like so i i get surprised that people think that they're surprised that there's a like less people coming into the profession because we used to rely i think overly rely on the big four to do that to bring people into the profession right well 10 years ago what did they do the the big four outsourced to india AP, AR, vouching, like all those things. Kenji, what did you do your first two years in public accounting? <laughs> Cash, AP, AR, and all the vouching. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Big Four has taken away their US feeder training system and pushed that to India, which I'm fine with. But then that's the pipeline for us that we've got to figure out how to tap into. If we're going to still rely on the big four to be our pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And that's what we're seeing in St. Lucia, right? Like we're having people leave grant EY like to come like, because we're offering career opportunities and they're saying, no, keep vouching ARAP, but they're going to catch on soon. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Some of these people can be managers. Like in this understanding that there's multiple career paths, like is going to be a, big important thing for the big four you know it, it's um I, I was on i was listening to actually a cloud accounting podcast months ago and i got connected with one of the guests argel who um has built uh, a great practice based in the philippines he's he's from his from the philippines originally he's here in the u.s and he worked in big four here um and his experience in the big four has kind of helped him go back and recreate a more modern CAS firm with team members in the Philippines. And he, he talked about that exact experience of realizing him as a staff person 
he was much less experienced than all the team members in India they were outsourcing things to. And he saw such limited opportunity for them to grow and develop. It was just a throw it over the fence mentality of like, throw it over to them, throw it over to them. And he said, they were incredible. They were incredible team members. And he was like, he kind of, the way he kind of put it was like, I was kind of like, they're way more experienced than me, more senior than me. But because I'm in the US, I'm treated differently and they than they were. And they weren't given the same opportunities. And so the way he's built his firm up, which has been really cool, is like, I understand the power of people globally working who are motivated just like we are, who will do the work, but giving them an opportunity to grow and develop in their careers is what he wanted to do because he experienced that exact thing of like where overseas was just used as like, yeah, let's just give you the crap work and we'll let a bunch of young kids out of college manage these very seasoned people. And like, it was clearly they were not getting opportunities to grow and develop. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to create my new firm and change that. So it's a cool... People are seeing that. And I think they're trying to address that a little bit. I'll say that, um, you know, maybe the final thing, I'll, I'll, we can, there's more ideas, but like I, you and I have experienced this. We've talked about, I hear this, I talked about it with um, Scott Scarano and Nicole on their podcast of just how much in certain sense fun we have in the profession. And, and yes, some of us like to act up a bit more when we go to conferences and things like that. But we've always joked that like if if more people saw the the way that the, us accountants kind of hang out together, they saw our time together when we were the in the fun City. side. Yeah, the fun side. Saw our time together in Park City with a bunch of business, you know, other firm owners, other accountants. How often we speak to each other and we help each other out. Like it is one of the most collegial, helpful, supportive professions I could ever imagine. It wasn't that way when you and I were coming through, but there's really, it's some of our best friends. It's really some of our best friends. We love to travel and and go to conferences to learn more, but honestly, a lot of time to go and be with our friends. And I think that um, I am blown away. I had great friends. I have friends to this day who I met I started with Arthur Anderson, wonderful people there. There's just great people in the profession. We were taught to be more competitive back in the day, but there are still great people in the profession. And I mean, that's probably the reason I get most motivated to go travel and go to conferences and and, and learn because I know I'm going to see great friends. And well, it's that just your a, FOMO. It, yeah, add my FOMO for sure. But <laughs> you have it too. You don't have near the FOMO I do. Thank goodness no. you don't either. We'd be a mess. But you think about how much you and I love going to see our friends and going to be amongst our people in our community. It's a great community that is, um, you know, my side of it's maybe a little bit more the late night crew of having fun and carrying on just because I've always been that way. But it's got something for everybody, whether you're mm-hmm. like, hey, I just want to go have dinner with my friends or I want to go and connect with them over social or on text. There are, man, I, I don't know. Accountants are are people who, you can find lots of cool communities uh, within the profession that'll be very, very helpful to you. So I, I think I, w- I don't know how to expose that to younger people to see that, but if they did, I feel like if more students or so were to pop into like QuickBooks Connect, they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I am so stoked and motivated to get in this." Randy Crabtree is talking about his small conference of like, yeah, maybe finding some ways to bring people to that, students to that, of like, just to get people to see that 
if there is a stigma about, hey, what a bunch of dorks, right? Nobody likes accounting. That it can actually be a lot of fun. And that fun can be whatever it means to you. So I, I don't know. I don't know what your take is on that, but it felt like it was much more serious when we were in big four. Yeah. It's changed I, a little bit. It's changed a little bit. So it's kind of crazy. So I don't understand the kids today. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the kids today and recruiting part to other people. I'm gonna focus on the retention part, the international stuff. Is that terrible? I don't know. No, it's not terrible. We all have to have things we focus on. I, I, I still, you can do that. I care. I'm with you on the retention piece too, in international. But I also just think that just by exposing a little bit more the way the profession actually works, the type of work you can do. Um, I know for me, because I can remember me at that time, I, I would have been much more excited about accounting had I known the path that you and I are on and our friends are on today. Had that oh. existed, I would have been a lot more excited. I just kind of did it. I didn't know there wasn't a different path. And I, I don't like having one option. I like having many options. I wish I would have seen this as an option earlier. So yeah. I just wanted a job. So. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, let's, man, rate some beers. let's rate some beers. Um, I'm going to go Move. mine first. I've got it pulled up. Um, I am drinking courtesy of Lisa Gilreath, the amazing Lisa Gilreath, the Nut Fork, North Fork Nut Brown. Dude, your screen's not showing, dude. Can you see it? No. That's all right. It's there. It's not. Okay. Hopefully, it's being recorded on your side. I I, I always mess this up. I feel like it's... um, User error? There we go. Maybe it's now. Uh, Hopefully, it records your screen. Okay. I'm I'm giving this one a 2.0. 2.0? You didn't like it? No. It's not good. It was not a... so, So... Apologies to Big Trout. Um, this is one of those cans that they may have filled right out of the tap in there, which is kind of cool. It just is kind of flat. There's just very little flavor or something kind of that dark and cool looking. It just, it's not supposed to be a porter or a stout, but like this should have more flavor. It's not very interesting at all. Um, okay. So, Matthew, give me what are you, you're drinking? Uh, the Fat Pug Oatmeal Milk Stout. The fat pug. Um, here it is. Um, oh, sorry. The oatmeal milk stout. Okay. Gotcha. Lots Tell me what you're feeling on this one. Lots of dead air, Kenji. 3.75 is my, this is my feel. Did I, did I hit what you guys rated it? 3.75. Um, second time drinking this. So last week, Randy and I, um, rated this one. Let's see if I can determine that real quick. Um, I believe we enjoyed it. I'm sure you enjoyed it. I think we enjoyed it too. It's pretty good. Oh yeah. We gave it, um, we must've given it a, you said, you said a three, seven, five is what you gave it. Yeah. Did you give it a four? I, I think we were similar on that one. We may have been four. Yeah, okay. You don't have to change it if you don't need to. No, so. you know. Cool, we, we, so, um, good combo. Let's get more people in the industry. If people have any good ideas about how what they're doing to get more folks in the space, we'd love to hear it. Um, like, subscribe, send us beer. The only way to sponsor Drink While You Think. Many people have offered us cash and all kinds of valuables, but the only thing valuable to us on Drink While You Think 
His beer. His beer. So send that our way. You can be on. You can dictate the topic. Send us any questions or requests you've got. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.